What's up? Welcome to this week's sermon podcast of Living Word Pretoria East. Here, you can listen to our latest weekly sermon for your spiritual growth. We believe that this message will really bless you. Praise God. And I trust that uh, God will just touch you and that you will be ministered to. And we're busy with shifting our minds, entering into a new thing. And that's what God wants to do. So we started with the new wine scheme and the new wine. So requiring if we want new wine, we need a new wine scheme. Amen. So that we can adapt and change our thinking and what God wants to do. And I said last week, covenant family. That God's one of God's strategies is to build family. That's the way he does it. And, and I'm just going to recap one or two scriptures and then we're going to continue building on that. And then we're going to just minister and have a great time in God's presence. So um, let's just look at that scripture again that we, that we use as a foundation. Psalm 127 verse 1 um, that says that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain amen so God's pattern is family as we said and and God builds if we want to build together with him we are the watchmen and the builders with God and we said last week that if God calls us as watchmen that means something that God so protects we need to guard and protect that what God places value on that what God honors, that what God esteems high, we also need to esteem that high, put value on that, but we need to also protect that. And one of the things he says that God builds family, God builds the house, and God protects it, but we need to work with him. That's why I say, not just God builds the house and God protects it. No, he says, unless he builds, what we do is in vain. Unless he protects with us, what we do is in vain. Amen. So it's a co-partnership. We, we labor with him in that. So unless, he says, God is the builder and the author of that, whatever we try. He says, if we then try to build, and the word says there, if we try to a- obtain offspring. Because we want everything to grow in our lives. Amen. We want to see movement. And he says, if we want to obtain offspring, but God's not in it, it's not going to work. We're going to fail. Then the word says in Proverbs 24 verse 3, it says, By wisdom a house is built, by understanding it's established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches or treasures. So by wisdom a house is built. And again, the word house, I'm going to refer to it a couple of times back that you understand and remember, but the word house in the, in the Hebrew context is bayeth, which means family. God wants to build family. That, that's a place. So he says wisdom, by wisdom, a family is built. And who of you knows that if you have kids already, it takes wisdom. You know, there's no recipe in this and that. My, my, my parents were always asked the question and said, how do you raise such great kids? Amen. You can agree with that. <laughs> I've got three sisters and uh, I'm the only boy, so I had to be the example. And um, no, they said it's by grace. By God's wisdom, you know. There's no other recipe because um, as soon as we thought we, we understand Vant and we know, then Kylo came and it's totally different. So we have to have wisdom and understanding. So by wisdom, a family is built. Knowledge fills the rooms, it says, with riches and treasures. And the word, remember, the, the, the Hebrew pictures for, for words and how it's 
put together, the comic strip says that that treasure that fills is it's something that we, we look continually forward to and enjoy continually. And who knows if your house is filled with laughter and children, it's something that fills your heart. It's a continuous joy that you enjoy. It's something you look forward to. It's not like, oh, I have to go home to my kids. No. Although they can make havoc and make it like a tornado was through the house and all these things, it's a joy because your house is filled. And, and, and so it's a treasure that's continually a source of joy and something that you look forward to continually. Amen? Good. And then what he says is that God is the source of wisdom. And, 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 and wisdom, in other words, is our most valuable building material. And how we build the house is with wisdom. When we build God's designed way, which is the family, he says then the reward is something to look forward to continuously. Continually. Now there's another scripture in Proverbs 10, 22 that says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich. And he adds no sorrow to it or with it. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. Uh, another translation says, The blessing of the Lord gives wealth and hard work makes it no greater. Hard work makes it no greater. In other words, the blessing of the Lord, it's God's blessing that he says that makes us continually look forward to, to that things that we enjoy. It's God's blessing. It's, it's nothing else. Hard work makes it no greater. So you can put all the effort, and we're not saying don't work hard. We need to work hard because Proverbs, um, or Psalm 128, 2 says, You shall eat the fruit of your labor of your hands. All right? In other words, when you work, you eat the fruit of your, your, your labor. So in other words, what he says is hard works makes it no greater. Is unless the Lord doesn't come and bless that which you do, it's unfruitful. It's unfruitful labor. In other words, um, hard work is not fruitful labor. Hard work is effort. That's what they're saying. Is If God's not in it, then it becomes effort. It becomes labor. And he says that's what um, Psalm 127 says. Then we labor in vain. That word means to labor, a labor that causes grief. A labor that causes pain or weariness. How many of you know that when you work and you work and you work and nothing happens... You start to get demotivated, grief, pain, weariness, tired, just doing things and never get there. And that's what he says is the work of your hands needs to be fruitful. So it's the blessing of God that makes us rich and no great work or hard work or, or, or hard work doesn't make it greater unless God is in it. If we try to do it in our own way, then it's in vain. Then it's causing, that says add no sorrow. The word sorrow there is also to be in pain from grief. So it's interesting. So he says, if we labor in vain, labor causes grief. The sorrow says it's a pain that's from the grief. So they're all connected the whole time. So we build. Um, in other words, when we labor, that doesn't produce fruit. But by wisdom, a house is built. And the blessing of the Lord makes us rich. In other words, if we don't follow God's blueprint, we're going to build just with grief and sorrow and toil. So God gives us a pattern on how to build so that his blessing is upon it and then we become rich and the hard work becomes fruitful. Amen? But if we don't do it, the, the hard work, how many know if you do hard work and you toil and you grieve and nothing wants to happen, you become frustrated. And when you become frustrated, what does it end up usually? We start to fight. Isn't it? You start to fight because you, you're on the edge, you're frustrated, so you just snap and, and, and there's war. War breaks out. You start to fight. 
So we need to build with wisdom because Ecclesiastes 9.18 says, in this season, it's better, wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. Wisdom is better. Um, having wisdom in this season is so important because it's going to cause you to escape the war and the battle and the frustration that you are not supposed to fight. Come on. If you have wisdom in the season, you, you're not going to have the weapons. The weapons of war is not going to be needed. He says, rather, wisdom is better than weapons. Listen to what it says. One sinner destroys much good. So wisdom connects you to the house and the family in the correct way. One sinner, what is sin? Sin means to miss the mark, isn't it? So, so that we miss the mark. So, so we need to have wisdom rather than weapons of war. But if we sin, we miss the mark. And then it says, um, one sinner destroys. That word destroy means to wander away. Like a prodigal son. When what happens? The prodigal son wanders away. Now, now listen to just how God connects it. Because he says, one sinner destroys the good. So if you wander away, if you miss the mark, the destroy is again pictures. All of that is pictures. The destroy is a picture of a, a tent or a house and an open door. Okay? So the, op- the door that's open to the house. And he says, one sinner destroy of much good. In other words, when you sin, you miss the mark and you wander away and then you struggle to enter the door of the house. You struggle to get into that what's supposed to be the blessing. You, you struggle to get into that which is your inheritance. Because at the table you receive something. But when you wander away, when, this, when, when it says one sinner destroys much good, means that when you walk away, when you start to wander away, you don't have access to the door to the house that gives you so much benefit. Come on. So we need to have wisdom. Then you have access. That's what God says. There's no blessing otherwise. There's no covering. And then the picture that he says much good, the picture of good is a basket that contains or surrounds the house. So in other words, there's something that surrounds the house that holds something for you. The, the surrounding means this, that the house is surrounded by grace and beauty, love, health, prosperity, something that's functional. In other words, what he says is, when you sin, the sinner destroys. In other words, you close the door for the grace and the beauty and the love and the prosperity. That what surrounds the house. You close the door on that. You don't have access to that door. But when you have wisdom, not weapons of war, God says you have access because wisdom is God's pattern to build. Wisdom is the wisdom makes the house blessed and prosperous. Wisdom comes and it makes the house functional. Amen? Wisdom makes that you don't toil with grief and effort. That's what it does. But when we miss it, we destroy the beauty and the blessing that surrounds the house. So, so let's look at a pattern. And then we're going we're gonna to go a bit deeper. Nehemiah 1. You know the story about Nehemiah that goes and rebuilds the wall. They're in exile. And God has a plan. He's something in mind. So, so God is strategic. Remember God says he wants to build the house. He wants to build the city. 
And, and we know that they had Jerusalem and it was destroyed. And they go now. And the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped and had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Now we've, we've dealt with gates and with walls and all these things. Walls are why? Why, why do we have walls? Walls are there to, to keep the enemy out but also to keep in that what's inside, to safeguard and protect. And he says, hey, the walls is broken. The gate, he says, whoever possesses the gate possesses the city. And he says, this is the condition of the city. There's no walls, it's broken down, and the gates are destroyed by fire. So there's nothing to keep the inheritance. There's nothing that safeguards because God builds the house, but many houses together becomes a city. And he says, there's nothing that protects this. And as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. I continued fasting and praying before God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love of those who love him and keeps his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open and hear the prayers of your servant. And now I pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants confessing the sins of the people which they've sinned against you and even I and my father's house have sinned we've accepted corruptly very corruptly against you and have not kept your commandments the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses remember the word that you commanded your servant saying if you're unfaithful I will scatter you among the peoples but if you return to me keep my commandments and do them through your, though your outcasts are in uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them, bring them to the place that I've chosen, and make my name dwell there. And these are your servants and your people whom you've redeemed by your great power and your strong hands. So we need to first just understand something about Jerusalem and Judah. Now, now Judah was in the, in the south of Jerusalem, and the tribe become the most powerful and most important part or tribe in Israel. They did not just produce great kings like David and Solomon, but it was also prophesied that the Messiah will come from this tribe. All right, so, so it will be from the tribe of Judah. And in the book of Genesis and Hebrew, uh, Hebrew 7, it highlights something interesting to us about Abraham. He encounters, you know, a, a mysterious priest, Melchizedek. And it's, it's a story by itself. It means righteous king. And it's wonderful to read about this. But what's intriguing is, is the place where he's from. That's what's interesting. Where Melchizedek is from. Where is he from? It says he's king of Salem. King of Salem. So, so most scholars say that Salem is the ancient Canaan, Canaan, Canaanite city. All right. So he's from Canaan. What is the promised land? Canaan. So when he encounters Abram on the way to the promised land, he comes from that city, Salem. And it says, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God. Now Salem is ancient Jerusalem. That's it. Salem was in Canaan, and Salem is, if you go in the history, it's ancient 
Jerusalem. So God is actually, uh, he had Jerusalem in mind. So when he speaks to Abram and he shows him something, there's a priest coming from Jerusalem already, from Salem, coming to minister. There's a prophetic association um, for Jerusalem's future role and the connection that there's a Messiah coming from there. And his name means righteous king. So there's a historic king in Jerusalem that comes to the to, 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 to Abram, the father of Israel. Remember now, it's going to make sense in a little bit. All right. So Abram goes to a place where God says, go. There's inheritance. There's a land. There's a promise I give to you. God built cities. He had a city in mind. And he takes him to that place. And there, king of righteousness, king of peace, the king of Salem, meets him as the king of that city to say, there's a prophetic thing that I want to do. I want to show you actually in foresight what I'm going to do. I'm king of the city, but Jesus is the, the prince of peace. He's going to be the king of the city. And we have another hint about Jerusalem that Jesus or God speaks to in Genesis 22 when Abraham has to offer Isaac. It's on, on Mount Moriah and the temple and Jerusalem was built on Mount Moriah. All right, so that place where he sacrificed is the place where Jerusalem is established and the city. So every time God takes him to the promise, but he does something significant. When he has to offer Isaac, he, he withholds his hand and he produces or he provides a ram in the bush, a substitute sacrifice at that place. Prophetically speaking about Jesus, the Messiah that will come, that one day there will be a temple, one day there will be sacrifices, but one day there will be a once and for all sacrifice for us on that place. So that's the way that God shadows and speaks about the future city and the future temple. And the book of Nehemiah actually now just reminds the people, it brings them back to the land, brings them back to the promise that what God says, Jerusalem was everything that I had in mind. And we have still the old Jerusalem and what we have, the new Jerusalem, something that's still coming that we speak of. And he had this in mind. So through Ezra, Nehemiah and the books, God actually orchestrated this historical event to remind the people and take them back home. So in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is a boy's name and it means that comforted by God. You're comforted by God. Who was responsible for building the walls? There was a remnant, but it was the sons. Those who remained and, 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 and survived, the sons. And interesting is the work was done voluntary, voluntarily. They didn't get paid or they were not forced to do this work. They'd done it free. They volunteered for the glory of God's name, the sake of His glory. That's what we want to do here. When we do and when we build, remember, we're building our foundation, but we're speaking in the spirit as well. What we're doing here as family is we're building. We're building, and you are sons. We are sons of God. We belong, and we're building with God. And they've done it for the glory of God's name, for His name's sake. They didn't expect a reward. And, and one of the biggest discouragement, I think, for Christians is when we get born again, is we do things and we think that we're going to get a reward in this life. We think we're going to get it right now. And, and we need to check our hearts and our motives that that what we do has got not just a temporary reward, but there's an eternal thing that's connected to it. All right? That we have eternity in view. 
The second thing that we need to, to understand and keep in mind that God is a recorder of names. He didn't just say a lot of people repaired the wall. No, he named them specifically. The book says actually in Malachi that a book of remembrance was written recording each one's name that partake. It says, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and esteem his name. So it was a specific group, people who feared his name and says, for your glory, we're going to rebuild this. And God detailed their names. He wrote down each and every one who was part. And I want to tell you, your life, your actions and what you do are recorded by God. Your life is recorded for a reward. Nothing you do for the Lord is just in vain. I want to encourage you that whatever you do, even if people don't see it, come on. What you do, God records it. God details it. God is not unjust to forget. Come on. The love that you show towards Him, the love that you show towards people, that you minister to people, even if you're tired or whatever, you're still ministering to the saints. God records that. God remembers that. So don't get discouraged. So God had a city in mind and he takes Abram and that's what it says. Another place where God records names is in Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith, where he says each one walked by faith and done something. But Abram is the father of faith. That's what it says. And we see here now, interesting, in Hebrews 11 verse 8, it says that by faith Abram obeyed when he was called out to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to what? A city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So, he's going out because he comes from a city. And God calls him out of his place and says, go to the land that I will give you. And he shows him a future city. He shows him Jerusalem. He shows him the foreshadowing and the sacrifice. And the book of Galatians 3 says that now through Abraham, we are all father. Abraham is our father. And we all partake in the blessing of Abraham. The promise of the Holy Spirit. So he foreshadows a future city, but not just even Jerusalem and that we will be part of that, but even the, the nations, the Jews and the Gentiles, the sacrifice that will be there and one day the new Jerusalem. So God does it all from just future to future to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is established to the new Jerusalem that will come and he just portrays and he says there's a something futuristic that's going to come and I'm going to give you that place. And Abram and his spirit, because he, he's been from a city, goes and he looks for a city. But it says, whose foundations is designed and built by God. Why? What happens? Is Abram is the eighth generation after Noah. God destroys the earth by a flood. And, 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 and after Noah, his bloodline builds a city. All right? Noah, and in Genesis 9, after the ark... Um, you know, his gears got broken there on Ararat. You know, then when he hit Ararat, his gears got broken, all the Rata. And then he got out there. And they made a sacrifice. And God confirms his covenant to, to Noah. And he says, be fruitful, fill the earth, multiply. And what does he else say? 
He says, never again will I destroy the earth with a flood. And he gives the rainbow as a sign of the covenant that he says, never again I will do that. But he says, go and fill the earth, multiply and spread as you have to do. But what happens? Yet again, they don't obey. In Genesis 11, that's Genesis 9, 11, we see this. Now the whole earth had one language, same words, and the people migrated from the east and they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, what? Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. You see, we need to build God's way. My title for this morning is The Builder Must Be God. The builder must be God, not us. The builder must be God. What do they do? The asphalt or tar or bitumen is something they use. That was used to seal the basket of Moses, to make it waterproof to go on the Nile. That asphalt or the tar is what God gave Noah to seal the ark to make it waterproof. And what does God do? He, he sends a flood and they survive. And now he says, go again, I bless you, fill the earth. And what do they do? Come, let us build a city. You see, the heart and the materials relevant now to the Tower of Babel and what happens there was not just disobedient to his command of going, fill the earth, but it shows that they didn't believe God and his promise that he will never ever again send a flood. Because they say, hey, let's build, not just with how we used to, with stones, let's make bricks and let's use tar. Hey, let's build a waterproof tower to protect man if there's a flood again. So they make their own plans. Because God says, never again I will send a flood. So it was not the city that's the problem. It was the, the, the heart. It was a statement of self against God. They said, we're going to make a plan. We're going to build a city that cannot be destroyed. And that's why when God calls Abram, he calls him out of this rebellion, out of this place of, of, of self. And he says, I cut covenant, follow me. And then he's got this urge to look for a city that's not, not built by rebellion or all these things, but built by God. Whose designer and builder is God. That's what God wants. You see, so, so we can build something because we don't believe God's promises. Self versus God. Or we can build something where we say, God is the builder. God is the builder. We, God must be the builder. Unless the Lord builds the house, we build in vain. Come on. We need to build with Him. And that's what I say. It was self. It, it, we build a, a tower that goes up into the heavens. So Abram comes from a city built by rebellion, plans, disobedience, all these things. And he says, but now he went to live by faith. He left everything behind and he started looking for the foundation which is built by God. The right foundation. Come on, unless God builds. Whatever we do, God must be the builder of that. Not our own plans. I want you to look at your life just before we're going to go into the worship. We're going to first just give you an opportunity to sow and, 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 and give us wealth, bring glory to God. 
But whatever we do, God must be the builder. Otherwise, what we do is in vain. And I want to share six things that we need to understand the necessity of building a house or a city or an assignment or building this church is that you're part of this. You're part of what God's doing here. And, and number one is that we build by faith, not by what we physically see. Amen? We build by faith. That's why when Abram went, God foreshadowed and he said, a Jerusalem, a king, priest, prophetically come to meet you out of Jerusalem and all these things. And he searched for something, the foundation. So he looked into the spirit. He's, he's searching for something that's built by God. And when we build something that's built by God, we build by faith, not what we see. And our building and what we do mustn't be just for this generation and for the next and for the next, but it must have eternal focus. There's something that, that we build for eternal value, eternity. Come on. Not that it must stay for eternity, that the effect that it has must be in people. Must be that that, that lasts for eternity. The second or the third thing that we need to do is we need to embrace our identities as a son. Sons built the walls of Jerusalem again. You need to embrace your identity that God gives you as a son in this house. Sons built the walls. Sons have the responsibility to build. So if you're part of this house, you've got a responsibility to build. You've got a responsibility to work with God. We build God's way. Unless God builds the house, we build in vain. But as a son, you've got a responsibility to build the house. Faithfulness and patience will always bring the promise of God to your life. Faithfulness and patience. So it's not a quick fix. It's not a quick fix. Faithfulness and patience. It says that Abraham walked and believed God. Didn't look at his circumstances. He didn't look at Sarah and the barrenness of a womb as good as dead. He says, but he believed that God can, can even create out of nothing something. Or if it's dead, he can revive, resurrect it. And he says that, and, and that's Roman, Romans 4, and then Romans 5, it speaks about faith. When we have faith, he says, when we hope for something, he says, who hopes for that what he sees? You don't hope for something that you can already see. He says, but when we hope for something, we don't see it yet. He says, we wait for it with patience. Faithfulness and patience brings the promise of God. And number six, sonship brings inheritance. If you want to share and that what surrounds the house, if you want to share in the inheritance, you need to be a son. Jesus says, I give to my sons, to the friends, not, not to the slave. It's only a son that knows what's happening in the house. And by wisdom, a house is built. So, so I want to challenge you, if you don't see or don't feel like you belong and you're not a son, that, that you come and say, Lord, I need to anchor this in my life. I need to anchor this that, that I'm a son. You need to embrace your identity as a son. You've got a responsibility to build with us. And then you will share in the sonship brings the inheritance. Why? Because it says Abram walked. He lived in tents. But it says Isaac and Jacob as well. Inheritance of the promise. But now us as well. Galatians 3. We all share in the blessing of Abram. There's a generational inheritance when you become a son. And I want you, the worship team, we can get ready. We're going to praise God and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna just enter into something new. Amen. But I want to just stir your hearts this, this morning that God needs to be the builder. 
The builder must be God. And don't, let's, let's not do it like, like, like the, the guys at the Tower of Babel that wanted to build something without faith, making our own good plans. If you plant it and root it here, you live by faith, you do it what God says. And then when you start taking that process, become a son, you start sharing the inheritance. But first, be planted. When does a tree bear good fruit? Hey? When it's planted and rooted. It's only when it's planted and rooted. When you take it out of the ground, you're going to just die. You're never going to bear fruit. When you plant it, so, so there's a process. God plants you. You need to grow. And then the fruit starts coming. And then the fruit comes forth. So God wants to plant you, but why? God wants you to share in the inheritance. Remember when we wander away, we, we break or we destroy the entrance to the house. So when your heart is far away, it feels like I don't have access because that's what God says. Is you're wandering away, but He wants to destroy that. He wants to break that so that you can have entrance to that what surrounds the house. A city built by God. My question is, when you're part of this congregation, what do you see? What is it that you see? What is, do you pray for this church? Do you pray for us as a family? Do you see something? What, what is it that you have as an expectation? Do you see just a church and a gathering or do you see a city? Do you see something greater? Do you see that what God can do? Come on. Come on. God wants to anchor you and make you fruitful. Father, I pray that, that you will start just sharing in our hearts and, and build something of sonship and inheritance that you want to release. And that, Father, that, that we will come. And, and I just want to, before we go into worship and before we're going to give our offerings, just quickly check the condition of your heart. Because Jesus speaks even in our way that we give. I'll share one, one day, Deuteronomy 12, where God, the worship that God commands and the way we give and the way we worship. There's a way He instructs us to do things. In other words, when we build, there's a plan. You follow a plan. You follow the, the, the instructions, the, the drawings of the engineers and all these things to make it strong and successful. There's a pattern and a design. And that maybe you need to allow God to be the builder of your life and your house. That maybe you had a design, said, hey, let me make it waterproof just in case a flood comes again. And that God says, hey, I want you to be like Father Abraham, your Father Abraham, that was captured in the book of Heroes of Faith because he lived by faith and he was searching for a city that the foundations was built and designed by God. And I pray that, that something will stir in your heart this morning. That you will start looking for something that's designed and built by God. Your foundation and not of your own effort and your own works. That what he said, the commands of your servant Moses. If we repent, then you will gather us. If we repent, even though you're in exile and you spread far across the heavens. I will gather you and I will take you back to the city, to the promise, to Jerusalem. For there's an inheritance. Why does God want you to be in the house? Because it's His structure. Because the inheritance is in the house. 
So God wants you to be part of the house so that you can share in the inheritance. We're not called to be lone rangers. We're not called to be out far there. God says even he makes a home for the lonely. So the whole time God says, I want you to be in family. I want you to be in home. But I want you to allow me to build my way. You see, we come, but we want to prescribe God how it should be. We want to tell God this and that way and this way and this way. And God says, no, I am the builder. Unless I build, you're going to build in vain. So this morning, I want to prepare your hearts to become ready to say, Lord, your will, not mine. Your way, not mine. God must be the builder of our homes, of our families, of our churches, of the glory. But as a son in the house, you have a responsibility to build, to endure, to build by faith, to have an eternal focus, to embrace your identity. We need to do that as sons. And then that will bring the inheritance. Father, I pray that you will just minister to our hearts deeper and deeper and deeper. And that as we're going to go into our, our offering and, and into the worship, Lord, that you will release something deeper this morning. And that you will liberate us and you will set us free from the old. Again, so quickly we take on the old wineskin. We fall back into the old pattern. I want to remind you, new wine, new wineskin. Don't become rigid, but say, Lord, I'm thirsty. I desire the new wine. I desire that you build. I desire that your foundation be the one that we build upon. I desire to be a son in the house. Because not that we're just after the inheritance. But man, we want that. The blessing of God makes rich. Amen. So thank you, Father. We give you glory. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to know more about who we are and what we do, go visit lwpe.co.za. You are formed to function. So let's build.